Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to LGBTQ America. My name is Brandon Carmody. We want to welcome our listeners inside the United States and around the world. Well, folks, here we are. It's just about one month since Election Day. There are, it's fair to say, hurt feelings on both sides of the aisle. Um, Van Jones noted on CNN this week that both sides are reporting that they are still having uncomfortable conversations with each other. There is news coming at us every day, everything from Pizzagate, the Washington Post reporting that the CIA has uncovered Russia. So we're going to tackle a lot of these topics with our incredible panel today. We probably have a full hour's worth of material. So here are our five discussion topics for today's show. Topic number one, which is a big one. Topic number one, fake news and Pizzagate. So we're going to start here. Um, you probably have heard of Pizzagate, and we could probably give you a pretty fair description, but I would like us to get a description from none other than Mr. Colbert. Let's take a listen. And the craziest fake news of all is something called Pizzagate. People actually believe a conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton and her former campaign manager, John Podesta, ran a child sex ring at a pizzeria in D.C. This is a lie. We all know the only people who are trapped in a pizza place are those robots at Chuck E. Cheese. I've seen Westworld. One day they're going to rise up and kill us all. Now, according to the folks with the spider eggs hatching in their brains, Clinton and Podesta have a series of smuggling tunnels that connect to the basement of this pizzeria. But police refuse to investigate the basement crime scene on the flimsy excuse that the pizzeria does not have a basement. <laughs> That's how deep this goes. Ground level. So, so where did this conspiracy theory start? Apparently. Some alt-right folks were combing through Clinton campaign emails hacked by Russia and published by WikiLeaks and noticed there seems to be more references to pizza and pizzerias than they had expected, which can only mean one thing, secret sex ring. A lot of uninformed, gullible people fell for the Clinton Podesta sex ring theory. People like Trump's pick for national security advisor, Michael Flynn, who tweeted out a link writing, new Hillary emails, money laundering, sex crimes with children, etc. must read, introducing it, you decide. Okay, then I decide a guy who spreads this bullshit shouldn't be in charge of national security. And All right, folks, so there you have it. There's a pretty fair description of Pizzagate from none other than Cole Bear. Um, so we're going to bring in our panelists here. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Uh, who do we have on the line here? Hi, Brandon. This is Roger from Illinois. Thanks for Hi, having Roger. me on the show. Hi, Roger. Welcome to the show. So uh, let's just throw out the whole Pizzagate question to you. I know that we've talked about this a little bit. What do you think about Pizzagate, Roger? To be quite honest, I couldn't help but be worried by it, and, you know, it kind of cast some doubt on whether I wanted to vote for Hillary or not, 
But in the end, it just seems so ridiculous. The place doesn't even have a basement. I'm still cracking up over that Colbert joke about how deep it goes, by the way. Um, yeah. And it just seems that Does that mean, does that, mean that the story carried some weight? Does that mean that when this news fell upon you, though, that it did cause you to question it in some way? Because that's kind of what I want to explore today was even as ridiculous as the whole thing is, there are some people that believe it, don't, isn't there? Oh, of course there are. And even the people who don't believe it, like I said, I don't believe it myself, but it still casts some doubt. You know, I still, I felt kind of bad. Do I really want to vote for Hillary, knowing that she might be involved in this? Okay. Okay, very good. We're going to do some ring around the rosy here. Thank you, Roger. Mm-hmm. No problem. Caller, caller, you are on the air. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Can hear. Caller, you're on the air. Can you hear me? Okay, second here. Uh, let's see. Do we have, is this Rob Watson or Gary? Who do I have on the line here? Well, I can hear you. It's Gary Simpson from Canada. Oh, there we are, Gary. Okay, thank you, Gary. Uh, uh, welcome to the show. Um, so you've heard a little bit about Pizzagate. Uh, will you give us your thoughts on Pizzagate, Gary? Well, I think it's an example of probably many examples where people are not doing adequate consumerism when it comes to media. We all research if we're going to buy a new car or something. We make sure we check out the different models. We're very careful to understand that you know, General Motors has a bias when they're trying to sell me a new car that Ford might not share that same bias. So we, we kind of are alerted to those things. Unfortunately, when it comes to news, we tend to shut off our critical thought patterns. And no, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah, you know, people always take anything they hear what must be true, and they don't necessarily go the extra mile of saying, well, who's reporting this? Is this something that's coming from a credible source like um, maybe BBC in Britain because they're checking it out to see if it's international sources are picking up Australian news, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, just to kind of get a sense of what are other people around the world seeing? What are they saying about this? Does it appear to be correct? Or does this seem a bit wild that a party as well-funded as the Democrats would need to do something that ridiculous to raise money? Agree, agree, definitely. All right. Um, thank you, uh, Gary. We're going to keep coming back to you here. Okay, caller, you're on the air. Is this Mr. Rob Watson? It is. Hi, Brendan. How are you doing? Uh, Mr. Watson, I I am proud to say that I tuned in and I listened to you on Out in Santa Cruz last night. Good show, mate. Oh, great. Thanks. And we had a great time. And Wendy Michaels is a great guest and really enjoyed her artistic stuff. So that was, I was, that was, I was cool. uh, especially, especially excited to hear that Lonnie Anderson from good old WKRP in Cincinnati was involved with that project. That's cool, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to see it when uh, it, it's moved off YouTube. It was on there for the first season. Now they have this new distributor. So yeah, I would definitely encourage checking that out. Really good. Okay. 
So okay, Rob. So there, on this there topic, is a lot of fake news going around, and Pizzagate is a thing. So what do you think about this Pizzagate thing? I, well, fake news has been around for a while, and Donald Trump has been the proponent of it for a long, long while. Um, his inclusion of Breibart in his um, strategy and, and as you know, his top advisor, uh, his meeting with the National Enquirer, he is the operative, ultimate operative in fake news. Um, there's method to this madness. There, this is this is the fake news itself will have its own shelf life, and people will, you know, the fake news comes out, and then everybody gets embarrassed that it was fake news, or reasonable people get embarrassed that it's fake news. The real thing that is going on here, though, is Donald Trump is seeking to suppress um, the media on all levels. He's working to suppress mainstream media and he's working to suppress social media media. Um, the fake news is out there as the linchpin, but the, the sites that are getting pressure and are being threatened are the ones that are not producing fake news, but are rather doing commentary on real news. And the um, the threats of being sued where, you know, none of these sites are well-funded or have the money to even um, take on a lawsuit at all is what the end game is about. Awesome. Not, not awesome for us, but I, I love that analysis, Rob. Okay. So, folks, uh, we're going to bring in one of the proprietors of fake news here, have you not heard of the name Alex Jones before? Uh, here is what NPR said about Alex Jones, and I need to make a full disclosure myself. <laughs> no judgments here. This is a judgment-free zone. Post-election, all bets are on the table. I am a listener of the Alex Jones Show, and I am a listener of InfoWars. I've been listening to Alex Jones for over three years. Ten years ago, I had people start begging me, begging me, to listen to Alex Jones. He is the truth. He's the one guy in all of media telling the truth. Again, we're going to go back to Mr. Colbert. One more clip from Mr. Colbert taking on Alex Jones in regard to Pizzagate. Check this out, folks. But I got to say, this email does blow the lid off what the Illuminati call talk shows. <laughs> and no one blows lid quite like host of InfoWars, Trump advisor, and alien Sasquatch love child, <laughs> Alex P. Jones. Jim? John, I hope you got the chance to see the Colbert Report's two special episodes. So the Colbert Report special episodes, that was the title of it. That's what they're doing is, is every major media outlet coordinating, scripting it. You don't need to know that when Obama goes on Jimmy Fallon Live and has some scripted uh, piece riffing off of uh, jazz. And it's all perfectly done. It's all choreographed. And they're choreographing things. It's disgusting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's right. It's not just me and the conspiracy. It's that show, Jimmy Fallon Live. And their famous segment, Slow Jazzing the News Riff Off. It's all choreographed. I'm starting to think these shows might be rehearsed. Well, I'm busted. We're busted. You got me. You got me. This email proves it. I asked Bill Clinton to come on the show. His guy said, okay, could you do it in St. Louis? Because he's doing his charity thing there and he wants to talk about it. And we said yes. 
Then we filmed the whole thing, put it on TV, even put commercials right in the middle of it. Oh my God! We were in it for the money. It's like, it's like these shows are some kind of business. Now, listen, listen. The scary part is, how high does this go? All the way to our next president. Because when Donald Trump was on this very show, and I can't believe you're forcing me to admit this, we talked to Donald Trump before he came on. <laughs> All right, folks. So uh, in, in case you didn't see that bit the other night, I encourage you to go check it out. Cold Bear, it was a full 10-minute segment just excoriating the entire fake news movement, Trump, Pizzagate, Alex Jones. But um, here is just a little quote from what NPR ran about Alex Jones. I just want you folks to get a picture of how this thing really exploded into our mainstream media and how Alex Jones became a front-page story on December 6th. Radio conspiracy theorist claims ear of Trump pushes Pizzagate fictions. Alex Jones has a following. His radio show is carried on more than 160 stations, and he has more than 1.8 million subscribers on YouTube as he claims to have the ear of the next president of the United States. Jones is also one of the nation's leading promoters of conspiracy theories, some of which take on lies of their own. He has been a chief propagator in untrue and wild claims about a satanic sex trafficking ring run by one of Hillary Clinton's top advisors out of a pizzeria in Washington, D.C. Days before a self-described investigator entered the pizzeria and fired off several rounds, Jones suggested that he might investigate it in person. I may just have to take off a week and only just research this and actually go to where these places are and stuff, Jones said. The Daily Beast reported that the shooter was a fan on Facebook of Alex Jones and InfoWars website. Conveniently, Jones did not respond to requests for comment on the incident or his other theories. However, we do have a response from Alex Jones. I'm going to play that. Then I'm going to get the panel's response to um, what the media is saying about Alex Jones and what Jones says in his own defense. So let's hear from Alex himself. Here we go. And then he came out in a big 15-minute diatribe against myself and WikiLeaks yesterday and said that, hey, grow the F up. This is called uh, you know, simply uh, working with people and making agreements and making arrangements. Uh, no, it's not. You say we're fake news when you're covering the same Pizzagate stories that we've been covering that we didn't even start. That's a case point example. But you say I created it or that WikiLeaks created it. WikiLeaks released the emails. Well, they're talking about we'll have the three kids for entertainment in the hot tub or we'll have $65,000 of succulent hot dogs for Obama at the private party. There's thousands of these. And we've talked to the police and others. They say, no, this is code. So you guys divert off onto some pizza place that people are looking at on Reddit out of thousands of things that are being looked at. You make that the focal point three weeks ago, but the New York Times focusing on it, to distract off everything else. Then when you make it the focal point, you bitch at us for being forced by our listeners to cover it. And myself three weeks ago saying it's a diversion from everything else. You can't prove one or another. But see, that's just the facts for your viewers. Before we get back to Colbert, let's go to the micro level. I get a call from family yesterday uh, when I took a break. Okay, uh, I'm back with you live now, folks. So uh, in that next bit there, he was basically, what, what's missing from that clip? I'll have to fill in the gaps there. Uh, he allegedly said on the air before Election Day that Hillary Clinton personally chopped up and murdered children 
and is eating the babies. And um, that is something that we're, I, we don't need to delve too far into that because the clip's been deleted from YouTube, so we can't prove it. But in the next bit there, he was talking about how his phone blew up and family members are calling him saying that NPR and other news organizations are saying, Alex, did you really say on air that Hillary Clinton chopped up and killed babies? So he's in full denial. Um, but Roger, we're going to come over to Roger here. Roger, I asked you to look into the WikiLeaks a little bit. Um, as you heard from Alex Jones right there, he's claiming that the WikiLeaks proves the Hillary Clinton, John Podesta sex ring. But you sent me the WikiLeaks last night, and you know what? It wasn't there. What do you think? Well, it's. I almost agree with everybody on this particular subject of the fake news, the distractions, you know, because it could be. It could be that some people, the people who, uh, you know, who gave this Pizzagate story, who, uh, so to speak, gave birth to it, um, it could be that they were trying to distract or trying to detract from Hillary's respect. But then perhaps maybe Alex Jones was right. Maybe the Democrats wanted people to focus on this because it was a fake story and obviously fake and not focus on other real things. I don't know. My head's kind of honestly starting to spit from it already. And that's not very good. That's all I can really say for sure. That can't be good. When you're uh, when you need to be able to trust your candidate, you know. One one thing and that I'm personally really feeling some shame of right now. Um, the moment oh. I heard the word Pizzagate online, I didn't even want to know what it was. I, I immediately dismissed it. So remember how Alex said in there, like my listeners are forcing me to cover it. They're forcing me to cover Pizzagate. I actually mm-hmm. feel like that right now, Roger. I feel like on this show right now, all of us fine reporters, we should not have to be talking about Pizzagate. I feel like we are being forced to cover this. <laughs> okay. It's ridiculous. It is. It's a ridiculous story. I I don't think anybody can think that it carries any water on its own, but it, it you know, it brings light to the big issue, which is the fake news. Um, and uh, it was already being talked about on the show a little bit earlier, but Mr. Donald Trump, he doesn't seem to worry about this fake news, and that is very worrying to me because he does talk about politicians um, and journalists and news organizations all the time when they're talking about things that he's done in real life that are you know, not so savory, and he likes to call that fake news, but he doesn't actually bring any attention to the real fake news. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Roger. I've got to get some uh, FaceTime in with our panelists here, but here's a thought for you. I'm coming to Gary next, but here's a thought for you all to consider. Instead of voter suppression, how about we consider the term media suppression? Since Trump has clearly taken on an anti-media stance, um, Gary, I'm coming to you live here. Uh, will you give us some thoughts on Alex Jones and what you think about that whole Alex Jones Pizzagate situation? Well, this is Gary speaking. I think it may go a little deeper than, than just that. I mean, it's problematic for sure. I think people were willing to believe almost anything if they hated Hillary that was about her, whether it would be bad, uh, especially if it was really bad. They're going to believe it because they disliked her so much. I think you see people on the other end believing anything they hear about uh, Trump, and if it's really bad, they're going to believe it because it's bad and they're hoping it's true because they dislike Trump so much. So sometimes we need to step back a little bit from the actual news and from our personal dislike of our specific candidate or person in the media and say, you know, are my feelings getting in the way of my being able to see this news story in an objective and a credible manner? 
did you ever believe it or was there any possibility of you believing it or did you see this as fake news the moment you heard of Pizzagate? It just struck me as being ludicrous beyond belief. So it didn't really Amen, my attention at all. That was my initial reaction. Now my inbox is full. <laughs> um, thank you, Gary. We're gonna we're gonna get some more FaceTime with you, I promise. Um I'm coming over to Rob Watson. Rob Watson, I'm gonna hit you with a double double surprise here. Uh we're gonna bring in the head demon. Let's hear from the head demon herself and I wanna get your reaction on the other end, okay? The epidemic of malicious fake news and false propaganda that flooded social media over the past year. It's now clear that so-called fake news can have real-world consequences. This isn't about politics or partisanship. Lives are at risk. Lives of ordinary people just trying to go about their days to do their jobs, contribute to their communities. It's a danger that must be addressed, and addressed quickly. Bipartisan legislation is making its way through Congress to boost the government's response to foreign propaganda, and Silicon Valley is starting to grapple with the challenge and threat of fake news. It's imperative that leaders in both the private sector and the public sector step up to protect our democracy and innocent lives. Okay, Rob Watson, you just heard from the uh, ring leader, the head demon herself. What say you? <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of this is sort of self-apparent. Donald Trump thrives on it. He, the people he has around him are the people who develop the, the true fake news and their strategy was, was it was integrated into everything they were doing um, including WikiLeaks which was actually more hacking and laying bare the Clinton campaign in a way that no campaign in the history of America has been laid bare. No campaigns, private emails to each other were ever made that public. And I can't even tell you what we would have heard had the Trump campaign's emails been laid bare with everything that had gone on and all of the back scurrying that was going on. What they were actually saying to each other would have been fascinating. But we don't get privy to that. Her, she was, her campaign was so transparent, not necessarily by their own desire, but because of what happened and and how it all played out. She still has won the popular vote by over 2 million votes despite that. So the desperation of the fake news is completely understandable. It is, however, I still believe completely a smokescreen. We have Donald Trump, who did not pay taxes for the past few years, who the CIA, not some fake news organization, the CIA has identified Russia being behind pushing for him to win the presidency. He has had ties with Putin and then denied ever having spoken to him. I mean, it is like every step the man makes is fraught with, with a potential scandal that in a normal environment would have gotten huge, huge scrutiny, huge, huge spotlight. He wouldn't have been elected. It would have been, you know, game over. But because of all the fake news noise, he gets to, to go under covers with it. I mean, it is, uh, you know, there is 
the the method to the madness is is just ultimately very very apparent. The worst fake news I would say though is not the Pizzagate fake news. I mean that one it doesn't take a lot and it's it's like the birther fake news that that you know it's people look at the facts and most reasonable people see through it pretty quickly. The most dangerous fake news was actually the more subtle one of the Pope um, supposedly endorsing Donald Trump. That was news that people could believe and that that millions and millions saw that news. And when it was retracted, only a mere fraction who had seen the news, quote-unquote news, saw the retraction. And so that's the type of fake news that actually swayed the election. Definitely, definitely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the CIA a bit, Rob. We do, uh, we do need to transition into our second topic, or we're never going to get all five in. So, oh, my gosh, are we really going to go here? The CIA concludes Russian interference aimed to elect Trump. The Washington Post is the ones that are breaking the story. Here's a couple of headlines from it. The CIA has concluded that Russia intervened in the 2016 election specifically to help Donald Trump win the presidency, a U.S. official has confirmed to NPR. Before, there was confidence about the fact that Russia interfered, the official says, but there was low confidence on what direction and intentionality of the interference was. Now, the CIA has come to the conclusion that Russia was trying to tip the election to Trump Now, uh, we need to put a journalistic disclaimer or air quotes on this saying that this is a report. We have not seen the classified documents. You know, this is still all in the works. Obama has called for a full investigation. So at this point, it seems like the CIA has got proof, but we haven't seen. So we need to at least put that disclaimer on it. Rob, I'm still with you. Um, Would this not be unprecedented in the United States election history if we indeed have solid proof that Russia interfered in the election. Would this not be history? This is this is historic. It is history. What is the second piece of this history is the Trump organization poo-pooing and putting down one of the major intelligence agencies, you know, it's and discrediting it publicly. That is outrageous. That is absolutely outrageous for a president-elect to do that and, and erode confidence in one of the main protection agencies of the country. You know, it's, it, it is, that is also historically unprecedented and, and horrific. Um, it's, it means that Trump is trying to displace the agencies that are actually on the ground in foreign countries losing their lives doing all sorts of things to try to make us safe, discrediting them completely so that he can say to the American public that he knows better from his Breitbart news sources and his National Enquirer sources. You know, it is, it is a catastrophic event for our society. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I've got a clip from our president-elect folks. Um, here he is with Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday essentially denying, dismissing the CIA. No, 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 no. They're the ones that thought Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. So, again, this is the whole Trump deflecting. Here we go. It's ridiculous. I think it's just another excuse. Uh, I don't believe it. Uh, I don't know why. 
And uh, I think it's just, uh, you know, they talked about uh, all sorts of things. Every week it's another excuse. We had a massive landslide victory, as you know, in the Electoral College. I guess the final numbers are now at 306, and she, you know, down to a very low number. Uh, no, I don't believe that at all. You say you don't know why. Do you think that the CIA is trying to overturn the results no, of the election or somehow to, to weaken you in office? Well, if you look at the story and you take a look at what they said, uh, there's great confusion. Nobody really knows. And hacking is very interesting. Once they hack, if you don't catch them in the act, you're not going to catch them. They have no idea if it's Russia or China or somebody. It could be somebody sitting in a bed someplace. I mean, they have no idea. So why would the CIA put out the story that the Russians wanted you to Well, win? I'm not sure they put it out. I think the Democrats are putting it out because they suffered one of the greatest defeats in the history of politics in this country. And frankly, I think they're putting it out. And it's ridiculous. We ought to get back to making America great again, which is what we're going to do. And we've already started the process. Uh, okay, Roger, I'm coming over to you. It's almost uh, it's almost laughable to hear the president-elect deflecting the CIA story. Uh, what do you think about this? It's it's very troubling. It's not really laughable to me. It's troubling that our the man who's going to be our president would try to discredit what I thought was our top intelligence organization. Um, and he's putting more credit uh, in the FBI, which the FBI, of course, they're respectable. They, if I'm not mistaken, the FBI is the intelligence organization like on the ground in our country, whereas CIA is worldwide. But the CIA has always been more trustable, I thought. You know, the FBI had the Hoover scandal for many years. Um, and, yeah, it's just extremely worrying to me. You know, how can we... Who do we pick? Do we pick the president or the CIA? I got to ask you all. Uh, I'm going to start with you and then go down the line. I got to ask you guys the devil's advocate question. Several people on Twitter from the media, we're talking top tiers of U.S. media, have literally gone on record this week and said if there is a Trump Russia connection, in other words, they colluded. So not just Russia trying to spin it for Trump in terms of their special interests, but if Trump and Russia directly work together to achieve this result that it's bigger than Watergate. Let me say that again. If there is a smoking gun that reveals Trump's involvement with Russia and how they colluded together, this would be bigger than Watergate. Do you agree that this is that big of a deal? I absolutely agree. If Trump, if Trump assisted in this process in any way, well, then this would be one of the biggest news stories in American history, I think. And actually, even without his involvement, I think it is. Sorry, I'm grabbing a tissue. I'm salivating right now at the prospect <laughs> of that. <laughs> so we talked about this last night. You, I, For a brief moment there, I thought you were excited, too. Not, not excited for America's downfall, but excited that we might actually be watching the train go off the rails. Like if we're about to watch a president that... Um, you know, goes through impeachment process or whatever may happen here. I mean, literally, it's like we're, we're watching the best season of Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones, right? It's like we don't know what's going to happen, but the suspense, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, I think whether you're a Democrat or Republican, whether you wanted Hillary or Trump, you can't deny that this is, yes, it's a bit exciting, you know, but it's worrying, too. It's It's extremely worrying. Okay, thank you, Roger. Um, Gary, I want to come over to you. And uh, I just want to uh, preface this uh, 
before I get your comment, Gary, and let you know that um, I am personally troubled. I'll, I'll, I'll disclose that right now. I have had Trump nightmares. I have found myself waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. I had kind of a Sarah Connor nightmare the other night where I saw millions of Americans uh, going out in a flash. I've seen some terrible things. God willing, I hope that that never comes to be. So what do you think about the CIA reveal and Trump dismissing it, Gary? I know you're outside the U.S., so give us a perspective from outside the country. Well, and I think it's important to realize it's a perspective, not the perspective. Uh, I also am troubled by Trump. I felt his election was like watching a train wreck in slow motion. Uh, the comments he made leave me deeply concerned. And I fear that some of his comments may have unintentionally caused people to do things that are hate-filled toward neighbors and colleagues and so on. Uh, and the neighbors and the, the people who are actually doing the hate are the ones who bear final responsibility for it. In terms of the CIA situation, I think it would be much bigger news if there turns out to have been conspiracy or whatever you want to call it. I hate using that term. Uh, but if there turns out there had been some kind of conspiring between uh, the Trump forces in the U.S. and Russia and back and forth to try and manipulate the election, I think this would be much bigger news than Watergate. It would be international news for one. For two, with Watergate, I saw it more as an American versus American thing, Republicans trying to control the election for the sake of the Republican Party, not necessarily with a huge amount of of assistance from outside the country. If you start to introduce outside the country influences into the picture, it makes it very, very challenging. If that were the case, and, and we're a long ways from being able to say that that happened, I think it would be impossible for Trump to have the, the respect and credibility from American voters to actually be able to continue to do the job he was elected to do. Thank you. Thank you. Um, unfortunately, I just have to wholeheartedly agree. Uh, so I'm going to come over to Rob Watson. Um, now that you heard the Trump comment dismissing the CIA, I am going to guess no shock here, right, Rob? No, no shock at all. Um, I th This is, yes, it is definitely bigger than Watergate. Um, we have really an election in crisis. Because we have historical precedents across the board, um, you know, the potential of a foreign power manipulating the election itself, um, a complicit candidate who um, bought into it. And then on the electoral college side, where we have a real fraying of something that was already dysfunctional, but, but a spotlight pointed on it to show exactly how dysfunctional it is when the actual winning candidate in a de democratic way um, will not be the winner. Um, that, that is another fray in this election. The thing that concerns me about this is where it goes next. Uh, one thing, too, on his comments about weapons of mass destruction, again, he's dumbing down the facts or whatever facts he's trying to tie into that. Um, the Bush administration took a series of reports spun them together to create this fantasy of uh, weapons of mass destruction. It was not a report on the CIA going in and guaranteeing it above all else. It was 
a matter of the Bush administration not tying um, intelligence together and and tying what they facts or things that they were given in a way to spin a story that they wanted to tell. And from my perspective at the time, I could tell that's what they were doing because their story had holes in it. So, you know, to try to push that forward and, you know, pin it on the CIA and make it something that um, erodes their credibility, that alone is, is a criminal thing on the part of Donald Trump. But here's what really concerns me. What concerns me is what the next steps forward from this would be. So as, as you mentioned, impeachment. Impeachment really is not appropriate because the real, if, if a foreign power put the Donald Trump ticket in power, that's the whole ticket. Impeachment would go after him personally, potentially throw him out of office, and leave Mike Pence as president. And Mike Pence would have no greater claim to the presidency than Donald Trump if they, in fact, were elected through, you know, this this clandestine means. And so we, again, would have a, a leadership that should not be there. But I fear that is how that would play out. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, let's uh, – Jesus. Okay. More nightmares coming for me tonight, buddy. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sorry so, about that. How about this? we got to throw something a little fun in there. Okay, so this has been such a jarring, jarring thing. So just when we thought Trump's cabinet picks couldn't get any whiter, Saturday Night Live brought in Walter White to play Trump's pick to head up the DEA. Rob, I'm going to stick with you, then get everybody's reaction. This is great. This is great. Heisenberg himself showed up on Saturday Night Live. You've got to check this out. Now, as you know, Kellyanne, we have some breaking news tonight. President-elect Trump has just made his choice for head of the DEA, the Federal Drug Enforcement Agency, and it's a high school science teacher from New Mexico named Walter Wright. Hello, Jake. Uh, Walter is amazing. He came highly recommended by Steve Bannon. Oh, yeah. Steve's the best. We've had some time. <laughs> Where did Mr. Bannon find you? In the comments section at Breitbart. <laughs> and I'm really surprised he tracked me down because I've kind of been off the grid for a while. And you're a high school science teacher? Yeah. Now, do you know anything about uh, drug enforcement? Oh, trust me. I know the DEA better than anyone, inside and out. Mr. White, how did you even get considered for this job? Do you know Donald Trump? Nope. Nope. But I'm a big fan. I like his style. He acts first and then asks questions later. I also like that wall he wants to build. Nothing comes in from Mexico, meaning a lot less competition for the rest of us. Uh, you mean jobs? <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, Rob. Uh, the one and only Heisenberg, Walter White, showed up on SNL as Trump's picked to head DEA. That's them really absolutely sticking their thumb in his eye because they know he's watching. So what do you think about this Walter White business on SNL? Well, I, I think it's characteristic of some huge damage that Trump is doing across the board. He has picked um, appointees that are not only unqualified, 
they're detrimental to each job he has picked. I mean, it's his Secretary of State um, selection is horrific. An Exxon CEO as Secretary of State, a businessman with ties to Putin. I mean, it's like, it, it, you know, if this was written as a satirical play like five years ago, nobody would believe it. It would have been the most absurd idea ever, and he is making it a reality. I, I actually find it terrifying. I, you know, it's it, that was a funny bit, but I'm actually terrified as to what he is doing on every single level. I mean, this is, I, I almost think it is with the intent of destroying the country. Yeah, yeah. All right, Rob. Um, well, like I said, you guys, I have uh, been kept up late at night with some nightmares. Um, Gary, I'm coming to you next, but I'm going to hit you with the second half of that Walter White clip. Again, um, it's supposed to be funny, but they're basically just showing us reality. Here's the second half of the Walter White SNL bit. And Mr. White, do you foresee any problems with Congress considering your limited experience? Well, they might get hung up on the fact that I faked my own death. I'm only the third person in the Trump cabinet to do that. Mr. White is actually such a great fit for this administration. He's first and foremost in support of small business. Oh, absolutely. Donald Trump and I agree. It's time to make America cook again. Okay, Gary, oh, coming over to you. Uh, is that, what, do you what do you think about that? Well, it, it's definitely funny um, and kind of humorous. It, outside the United States, I'm thinking more of the Great Britain, uh, Canada, and, and Australia, there's a long history of political satire, uh, which can be quite biting and quite cutting. So uh, this sort of thing is, is something I enjoy quite a bit. Sad news is, though, there's a reason for that satire and biting humor. Uh, Trump's picks almost completely seem to be unqualified. They can cause a person to have a little bit of concern. I believe it was on CBC Canadian Broadcasting this morning where there was discussion about his choice for Secretary of State, and some people made the case that, well, a senior oil executive would be used to dealing with other countries and, and people in other countries and may not be as bad a choice as it would initially appear so the irony of it is the choice for Secretary of State may actually be one of the better ones. How he could possibly find a place for somebody as odd and unusual as Ben Carson in his cabinet is totally beyond anything I can fathom. I'm glad and you brought I up Ben Carson. Oh, sir, go ahead. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Ben Carson. Yeah, that one has been really questioned for his lack of uh, any government. I mean, he's a neurosurgeon. He's a well-regarded neurosurgeon. He's experienced in that regard, but he didn't actually live in an inner city or have any of that experience that he's touting. So, right, we're, we're essentially putting him in a position he's fundamentally unqualified for. Well, I would think based on some of the things he has said, I'm not sure if he's qualified for much of anything in any government. Uh, <laughs> and, and that would be my concern about some of the others. The impression I've gotten is if the person has made outrageous comments, which be, could be considered to be quite homophobic, the person must be fit for position in the cabinet. 
Uh, is there something I'm missing there from you guys that are more acquainted with American politics right now than I am? That's the impression I'm getting. No, you're not. You're not missing anything. The cabinet appointments right now pretty much represent the alt right, as far as I understand it. You literally have some anti-Semites. You have the anti, you know, uh, LGBTQ folks in there. You have the Breitbart guy, Steve Bannon. I mean, literally, if you go to the cabinet appointments, I mean, every bit of the alt-right is in there, and the entire Trump delegation continually denies this. That's ridiculous. Kellyanne Conway has been on TV screaming, saying that calling them racist is just a ridiculous attack from the crybaby left that refuses to accept the election results. So they're not owning it. They're not owning it, and they keep stacking the decks whiter and whiter and scarier and scarier. Um, thank you, Gary. Uh, Roger, I'm coming over to you. Still, still on the Walter White SNL bit. Um, what do you think? Is it hilarious, or are they just doing it to show us how scary the reality is? I think for many people, myself included, there have been many times since the election when we've been able to find a lot of humor in it. Sometimes we're able to find it just fucking hilarious. Oh, I'm so sorry for cursing. Um, that, that's all right. We got it. But. But overall, no, it's it shouldn't be hilarious, though, because it is it's very troubling. I'm especially troubled by Trump's pick for the Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVoe. This woman is anti-LGTB. She argued against the even existence of gay hate crime, and she's going to be running our public school system. Oh, especially at this time, and like the history of gay rights, when children are being affected most of all you know the, the most uh, stigma the most bullying is going to children you know that's why we have the it gets better project because it really does once you get to be an adult you realize nobody really cares all that much you can surround yourself by the people who love and accept you for who you are it's only when you're a child that you have to be subjected to them so i'll go right ahead well, so what we haven't talked about on this show, and I'm, I'm still with you, Rogers, we haven't talked about the huge spike in hate crimes yet um, and the fact that just even on election night, there were reportedly up to six members of the trans or LGBTQ community that um, committed suicide tragically, and the Trevor Project and other hotlines are spiking in volume. But I do want to make sure that we put the Trump side on record, you know, from that 60 Minutes interview when he was asked about gay rights or gay marriage. And he literally said, no, that's decided in the Supreme Court. That's a done issue. But then they pivoted to, well, what do you think about abortion? Oh, we're definitely going to have to look at that. So he's claiming now that they're not going after gay rights or gay marriage. Um, Is that bull? Do you buy it for a second? I don't believe that Trump himself has very strong opinions about gay marriage. He didn't seem to on the 60 Minutes interview. But who is he surrounding himself with, though? All of, almost every member of his cabinet so far and his vice president all seem to have very passionate anti-LGBTQ positions, you know? Yes. So, so as a member of the community, there is legitimate reason for us to have genuine concern about our rights in a post-Obama era, isn't there? Oh, I think definitely. Um, Many people seem to be, especially asking, like, the black community, the gay community, why would you be so afraid of Donald Trump? Well, especially the gay community, we haven't had access to all of our rights for a very long time now. And, in fact, gay marriage, only just a couple years, and thanks to Mr. Obama, who Mr. Trump seems to want to 
dismantle each and every piece of legislation that he was able to install in his time in the office. In that particular case, though, since it was a historic Supreme Court decision, it would take more than an executive order. It would take a complete revisiting of the Supreme Court decision um, within the Supreme Court, Court, which means that they would have to deck and get someone confirmed. Um, Can it continue to go around the room? Thank you, Roger. Um, Going down the line here, Gary, I am back with you. Um, Again, uh, in all fairness, uh, you said you're outside the United States, but LGBT rights is a world issue. It's a global issue. So what happens in the U.S. affects other parts of the world. So if gay rights or LGBT rights are stripped away in the U.S., doesn't that have a ripple effect around the world? Yes, it does. Uh, It really does. The Trump election and the Trump style has come to Alberta, where I live, in a way that's kind of unpleasant. We had a public campaign against a specific tax, carbon tax. And during that particular campaign that was taking place, the protest at the legislature, people started chanting, lock her up, in reference to the premier of Alberta, who's a woman. The same chant they used in the U.S. uh, regarding Hillary Clinton. So you do see a carryover. And unfortunately, the conservatives in Canada at times have picked up methods that they thought would work here from what they've seen in the U.S. There's definitely a carryover. My biggest concern are for the most vulnerable. Most would be the aging LGBTQ people and teenagers. Unlike people in other minority groups, our kids can't come home to a family that's all queer and feel affirmed by mom, dad, brothers, and sisters, and then go back out into the world and try and survive it again. In many cases, they're coming home to a home that is also hostile, certainly not in all cases, but there are chunks of cases that's true. Those kids then have two strikes against them. They have the strike of the homophobia from outside the home at school. They also have the problem of possibly of homophobia from within their own within their own family. And it really does make a difference. I am deeply concerned about the impact emotionally on young people. I'm very surprised that there were only six suicides. I'm not trying to trivialize the six. Right. Uh, uh, I never want to trivialize that, but the campaign gave people such as myself a sense that there was going to be a rolling back of rights for sexual and gender minority peoples in the United States. And those things hit people very hard. Of course, the trans community is extremely vulnerable to this because I think conservative alt-right in the U.S., has probably rightly understood that there is more strength financially and politically in the LGB uh, community than there is in the trans community, and they have targeted their anger and their backlash over same-sex marriage at the trans community, and specifically by whipping up fear and hysteria regarding what bathrooms people are going to be using in schools. And that, again, spilled from the U.S. over into Canada. Uh, I was at the legislature when there was a protest. There were two. I was at the pro 
trans protest earlier in the day and stayed for the the protest against trans people. Essentially, it was predominantly against that. They were using different reason for meeting, but they were expressing concerns about restrooms that people would be in, and they wanted to have, among other things, the school system telling the parents whenever the kids were gay, and, and just immediately they can phone you, call the parents, and some people defended this to me on the basis of, well, it makes the relationship in the family a whole lot closer. Yeah, if it makes the relationship in the family so much closer, then why do you as an adult not tell your parents, your children's grandparents, what you do and how every time you have sex? You know, we don't do that as adults. Uh, right. But this was some of the things that were coming up in this rally, and it was based on, oh, this is parental choice and this is religious freedom was the guise it was coming under. But there was a very this concerning edge there about trans bathroom access, GSAs being shut down in this public school system, and then, of course, concerns about uh, kids being outed to their parents before the kids are ready to do that. This all came about as a result of seeing these kinds of things working well in the States to whip up hysteria about the bathrooms that people are in. There is a spillover. Uh, The United States is a leading country in the world, and that's why this statement, Make America Great Again, just bothers me a little bit. I don't think the United States ever stopped being a very big power and a very great country. Right. So, but we're, what we're looking at here is that spillover comes over through the largely American-dominated media with TV programs and, and news and so on, and it has a spillover effect to every other country, especially the English-speaking countries of the world, and it makes the situation for sexual and gender minority peoples around the world more in jeopardy whenever there's an attack on LGBTQ rights in the United States. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you, Gary. Um, Rob Watson, I have some uh, powerful and hopefully not too personal questions. I I would like to ask you to help connect the dots between the historical lessons we learned um, under Reagan and AIDS in the 1980s. So I want to, I want to tell you this. So last night your show, out in Santa Cruz was on from 7 to 8, and then after um, out in Santa Cruz went off the air, I turned on CNN, and there was a special from their series called The 80s that was all about the 1980s and the AIDS crisis, and some of the startling, startling things that I learned during that CNN special was that it wasn't until, I think, Reagan's 30th, where it's unprecedented, before a reporter finally asked him to make a comment about AIDS, and then they show that he made a remark that had not yet been proven, ways that uh, AIDS may or may not be communicable, and he sort of put the public on fear that maybe they could get it from water fountains and different things. And then it also showed how it took major significant events like marches on Washington, the quilt, and the death of Ryan White before the administration really put any money and serious efforts toward finding AIDS cures. So, Unfortunately, I know that that's your area, era, rather, and that's very personal for you. So are there any major historical lessons that we can relate from the 1980s, Reagan and AIDS, that relate to Trump and current LGBTQ rights? Yeah, I think there are a lot. Um, the, the real lesson that I think relates to Trump is that, you know, 
when there's an attitude, and I think this is a growing attitude in a lot of the public that wants it all just put away. He's president. He can't do too much damage. You know, let's let's move on. You know, all those kind of sentiments are coming out, and the uh, from the 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 central middle America type of of place. And that's the problem with Reagan. It's a problem with George W. Bush. When they were elected, it was like, okay, well, Reagan was was solidly elected. Um, George W. Bush also was, did not win the popular vote his first um, election. And the attitude was like, you know, okay, well, you know, we'll just live with it. The, the real lesson with the AIDS epidemic was here we had an administration that it was worse than a fumble. They, I mean, it was horrific, the neglect that they gave, the biggest health crisis in modern times and ignored it, literally ignored it for years. I mean, if you compare that to what happens now with a health crisis where just some hint of it, the government scurrying and freaking out with like one death or, you know, you know, just minor, minor things by comparison and the complete and total neglect that the Reagan administration did, which propagated the disease. I mean, AIDS would not be the as big as it is today had they clamped down on it immediately, you know, before people were infected. That means that hundreds of thousands, millions of people would be alive today that are now dead because of Ronald Reagan's policies. Um, and and same thing with George W. Bush and his missed steps taking us into war. There are, you know, in his case, a million or thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who would be alive today that are not because of his action. And my point bringing that back to Trump is he is setting himself up on so many fronts for catastrophic events horrible things from um, the points that have been made from, you know, devastation to LGBT teens to, um, you know, hate crimes to, you know, potentially, you know, world war. And, you know, so we have a loaded gun there. And to go another round and be naive about it and, you know, sort of shrug it off and say, ah, what damage can he do? That's the message. He can do a lot of damage. Wow. All right. Thank you, Rob. Um, so we're in our final final two minutes here. So I'm gonna I want to thank everyone for coming on the show. Um, I do want to give you all a chance to uh, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and where they can find find you online. Rob, go ahead and tell the listeners about your show and where they can find that. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, I host two shows uh, out in Santa Cruz. You can. The easiest place to find that is actually on the, the station site, ksco.com, or the website out in santacruz.com. Um, I also host Rated LGBT Radio on Blog Talk. You can Google uh, Rated LGBT Radio, Rob Watson, and past episodes come up very quickly there. Um, I'm also a blogger, evolequals.com. Uh, I have a website. You can follow me on Twitter at J and J Dad, and I am the um, executive editor of the Goodman Project, um, which is you know a little more broad based, not just LGBT based, um, and that is GoodmanProject.com. 
Awesome. Thank you very much, Rob. Okay. Um, uh, Gary, this is our first time speaking with you on air, so uh, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, sir? Yeah, I uh, have a background in education and work in that field, and if people are interested in getting a hold of kind of some of the things that I write and think and do on a regular basis, uh, I'm a religious educator by training, so a lot of my work is trying to help people who've been abused by Christianity due to their sexual orientation or gender identification find hope and healing. Uh, so there's a website that I work with called Created Gay, and it's createdgay.com. And there's also a Facebook account, there's a Twitter account, and there's a Tumblr account, and something else. I can't remember what the other one is now. Well, great. I'll, I'll make sure to get those linked up. It's uh, very nice that you came on our show today. We'll, we'll have you back, Gary. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. And uh, Roger, uh, this was also our first time having you on the show, so thank you for joining us. Uh, will you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, Roger? Yeah, thanks for having me, Brandon. Um, well, I'm Roger Lang. I'm a 21-year-old from Princeton, Illinois. spend most of my time babysitting. I'm uh, looking for a career in journalism. And for now, I'm just a fan and supporter of the show. You can find me at Twitter at uh, rawralang.com. That's R-A-R-A-L-A-I-N-G. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Well, this has been LGBTQ America. Once again, we are independent media. We are not part of the uh, mainstream establishment that you hear when you tune into CNN, MSNBC, or pick up the news publication. We are independent, so therefore we are not agenda-driven. We are willing to have a fair and honest conversation. If you ever want to come on our show, please drop us a line. You can find us on Twitter at Gay News Radio or LGBTQ America. We are in the process of getting a new website set up. Our show is on Blog Talk, and you can also visit us on our brand-new Facebook page, facebook.com slash LGBTQ America. We want to thank all of our listeners in the United States and around the world. Once again, wrapping up, our panel was great today. Thank you to Roger, Gary, and Rob. Our topic discussions were fake news and Pizzagate, the CIA, Washington Post report about Russia, Trump, and we got to hear from Walter White, who came out of retirement as a result of the election. That just blows my mind. That was the craziest thing. I never thought we'd hear from Walter White again. Once again, my name is Brandon Carmody. Thank you all so much for listening. Please check us out every single week. And once again, have a good day.